Hi everyone, I'm your host, Sean Lee Davis. I'm a filmmaker, conservationist, green entrepreneur, and impact investor. And this is Our Future Nature, a podcast spotlighting the ideas, technologies, and solutions for a more sustainable world. In this season of the podcast, we'll be speaking to advocates, entrepreneurs, scientists, and thought leaders about global, environmental, and social issues, and how we can go about solving them. I aim to separate the real talk from the greenwash and dive deep into novel technologies and solutions to help you understand just how exciting sustainability can be. With that said, let's get on with today's episode. Our guest today is Bob Zigaya. He's an eco-entrepreneur and a pioneer in plant-based food, as well as being the founder of Mana. Hello, Bobsy. Hello. Are we live? We are live. Let's uh-huh. go. Let's rock. Let's go. Bobsy, great honor to have you on this show. Namaste. Namaste. Um, Bobsy, now you just returned from a retreat in Lama. Yes. H- how are you feeling? Uh, feeling relaxed? awesome. It's, uh, you know, it's my spiritual home, Gaia House, uh, in Gaia Valley on Lama Island. And uh, we've been beautifully renovating for the last couple of years and working on the land and planting trees and edibles and rejuvenating the soil and repainted the house inside and out and did the trellises. And a lot of work's happened in the last two years, and I've just had the first chance to enjoy it. So the last two weeks of November and this glorious weather we're having. Uh, bonfires, uh, we started the first bonfire on November the 5th. And uh-huh. we've kept the same fire going till this day. The fire is still going there now without striking the match twice. It's the same fire that continued day and night for the last two weeks. Is there any and reason for the, for the bonfire? Apart from being I, November, it, Guy Fawkes Day? Well, uh, it marks one more year for me in Hong Kong. So I came to Hong Kong in 1992 on November the 5th. Um, It just happened to be bonfire night. And um, I celebrate one more year in Hong Kong. So I had my 27th consecutive bonfire night on November the 5th without skipping a single year. Although I've been here 28 years. The first year, of course, there was no bonfire. But yeah, so that was my 27th consecutive bonfire night on November the 5th. And it was just beautiful. Amazing. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, and just for people who are tuning in who are not from Hong Kong, uh, Lama is a beautiful island. Not many people think of Hong Kong as, uh, as an island, but it is actually a, a metropolis on a tropical island. Yes. And Lama is also an outlying island. And it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's a world away from the hustle and bustle of mm. the city. And yes. a, lot, a lot of what we should say were more spiritual types or hippie types, Bobzy. Alternatives. 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 (laughs) Well, the funny story is when I first rocked up in Hong Kong in 92, 93, you know, I'd be out in Lang Kwai Fong and people would say, are you from Lama? I'm like, no. Are you from Lama? No. Everywhere I went to like, hey, do you live on Lama? No. What is Lama? So I just had this Lama in my head. And of course, I went and um, discovered Lama. And the very next day I moved there. And I've always said that it's Lama that which kept me in Hong Kong initially. Mm. Mm. Great. Well, I mean, you need no introduction, Bobsy, but you have done an incredible amount uh, as a well, wellpreneur. Uh, you probably one of the leaders in that field or industry, if you'd like to call it that, in Asia. Um, Bobsy is the founder of Mana. And um, I, I 
go to Mana all the time. They have the best plant-based food, uh, the best vegan coffee, everything. So I'm a big fan of what you've done. Um, Thank you. You're, you're a bit of a curiosity, perhaps, in Hong Kong. You're very alternative to what people would expect in Hong Kong. And I think that takes a lot of guts, and you, you, you've uh, really forged a path. Can you tell me a little bit about the struggles you faced in being uh, a plant-based advocate and also uh, an entrepreneur in that field? There is no struggle. It's just I've been thriving, man, for the last 30 years, perhaps unrecognized and perhaps ridiculed and laughed at, and especially in the early days. But, man, I've, I've never struggled. It's just been a joy um, to be on this journey for the last 30 years, to have woken up and realized that we only have one home, and that's our Earth mother, planet Earth. And to have that awareness that I need to dedicate my life to raising awareness about this fundamental, intrinsic, inherent truth to all of humanity. And back then I was in the fashion world, and fashion is one of my first two loves, music's the other one. And I was in the fashion world. And uh, when I had this awareness and this awakening and I realized, oh, my God, what on earth are we doing to our earth? And I switched my company from a fashion company to an eco-fashion company back in 1989, 1990. And eventually I moved to Hong Kong in 92. And 93, I reset up Gaia here. And that's why people call me Bobsy Gaia. Um, but it, it really has not been a struggle. Um, it's just been a joy to be able to follow my passion, to live my vocation, to be able to spread positivity um, in everything and everything we've done. Um, it's just been a joy. Yeah, I mean, there, there have been challenges. We all get challenged in life and there's always an up and a down. And, but the trajectory has been nothing but thriving for me. Now, mm. perhaps you were considered a bit of an outlier 10 years ago, or you were, it wasn't considered mainstream being plant-based or, or vegan, but now there's an explosion of interest in that. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, with the pandemic, people are much more interested in health and all the issues around climate change and the industrialized agricultural uh, system. One, one of my favorite slogans actually is your slogan, diet change, not climate change. Mm. So can you go a bit deeper into that and what you actually think that means or what? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the story how that first popped up. Um, when I let go of Life Cafe, Life Cafe is the predecessor to Mana, which we opened during SARS back in the day, 2003. I vacuumed myself out of that company because I didn't like the way the direction the business partners were going. So the first thing I did when I left in 2008, 2009, was start a campaign called Diet Change. Save the human, don't eat the planet. So it was about save the human. And people were like, what do you mean save the human? Save the planet, save the panda? Sure, but we must save the human. And that's where I first came up with the slogan, Diet Change, Not Climate Change. So if you look at the video clip from Save the Human, which is on YouTube, it's a six and a half minute short. And you see the word diet change, not climate change, appear in graphics. And the whole message of Save the Human was we need to reduce our consumption of meat, fish, and dairy for everyone's sake, for the planet's sake, for humanity's sake, for our health's sake, for the sake of the animals, for everything. Reduce your consumption of meat, fish, and dairy. So diet change, not climate change first appeared in that video. But we didn't hang on to it. We didn't realize the power of those five words until Mana came along. 
And then maybe five years back, we made diet change, not climate change, our main slogan. And essentially what we're saying is we must change our diets so as not to change the climate. Simply because what we eat today, our choice of food, as a humanity, as a collective of almost 8 billion people, we eat three times a day. Hell, some of us eat five, six times a day. 365 days a year. So our choice of food is having the big, biggest single impact on the ecosystems, on planet Earth, on our resources, on the air, the soil, the sea, the water, simply because planet Earth cannot, in its current systems, cannot support 8 billion meat eaters. There's just not enough land to grow enough crops to feed the huge population of livestock. There just simply isn't. So diet change, we must change our diet. We must move towards a plant-based diet that can sustain 20 billion people if we, if we went in that direction. So our diets is the single biggest impact on desertification, polluted air, depletion of natural resources, deforestation, contamination of water, soil, and air, displacement of ancient cultures, immigration, environmental migration, environmental refugees, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And if people realized what our diet of meat, fish, and dairy was doing to everything, to the totality of our existence, people would immediately reduce their consumption of meat, fish, and dairy. And that's our message. That's my message. Is please pay attention to your diet, where your food is coming from, where is it growing, at what cost. And you'll see, I mean, a small example, you know, a quarter pound of burger from uh, your average fast food joints. Guess how much water goes into making one patty, one meat beef patty? The equivalent of running your shower for two months nonstop. Imagine running your shower for two months nonstop. That's how much water we use to produce, you know, a quarter pounder of, of, of beef. And how many beef burgers are being eaten all over the world? Not to mention chicken and fish. And... Mm. So, so the statistics, the facts are devastating. They're so devastating that they hurt you once you find out. And you go, well, I'm not an imbecile. I'm not a moron. Why would I want to support that? Of course, I'm going to pay attention to what I eat. And it's just a question of getting this message out through education and awareness and other methods. And what you're doing tonight, Sean, is wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'm taking a cue from you, Bobsy. Um, but what, so what, that's very interesting. And, uh, you know, we're presented every day now by the media an avalanche of facts about what we're doing to the planet. But the change doesn't seem to be happening fast enough. Why do you think that is? Is it because people are just not bothered? Or do you think people are, don't trust the science? Well, we know they don't trust the science. Um, or that people just are overwhelmed with work or their lives. I mean, why, why can't we do this? It goes much deeper than that, Sean. Whenever we go through a transformation, a humanity, what you call a shift, a paradigm shift. Traditionally, this has taken centuries and centuries. So we can't expect people to change within a decade or two. 
because you're talking about a complete transformation of your worldview. That means how you view reality, how you view your presence on this earth, in this universe. This is the fundamental change we're going through. So a change of diet, a change of lifestyle, a change of education, a change of all of our institutions are part of this shift, this change. But to be more perhaps um, useful in my answer is people are changing en masse rapidly. And COVID-19 that I've been calling the Great Awakener is speeding up this change. And in Mana, for example, our customers are getting younger and younger. And I was speaking to a, a, a group of very young teenagers the other day in Mana, maybe five or six of them. They were just having fun, eating their flatbreads. And, and I went up and said, hey, girls, how are you doing? Um, uh, anyone anyone plant-based here? And they all looked at me and they went, duh. Of course we're plant-based. Like all of them, all six of them were like vegan, full on. And you see this change within the younger generation. Now, my generation and the older generation, for them, change is a lot more difficult because they're not the ones who are really feeling the pain or going to feel the pain of climate change. While Gen Z and the younger millennials and what we call Generation Alpha now, they are going to feel the pain of what we have been doing incessantly to our planet, to our mother. So people are changing in the millions. And one of the things that motivates me every morning to get out of bed for the last 30 years, if you like, has been this awareness of this transformation that humanity is going through, this awakening, if you like. And hundreds and hundreds of millions of people are waking up across the world, not just in California and London and, you know, and the Western countries, but in every corner of planet Earth, people are waking up and realizing that the old paradigm, the one that we've been living with within for the last six, seven hundred years, no longer holds water. It's collapsing. And this is what paradigms do. They, they come to a point where they can no longer sustain themselves because they no longer make sense, especially scientifically. And they implode, they collapse from within. So a mind change, what I'm talking about, a metanoia, when enough people change their minds about something, there is a global mind change. And there is a tipping point. No one knows exactly what it is because we've never been aware of uh, a paradigm shift before. We've only been aware of paradigm shifts with hindsight. But the difference today in the world we live in and the interconnectedness through the World Wide Web and other methods is we are sitting here watching the drama with the best seats in the theater. And we're aware that we are going through a paradigm shift and we can measure it, we can study it. And there are sociologists who've been studying this for the last 50, 60 years. So I am eternally optimistic and eternally inspired with the millions of people who are shifting consciousness. But mainstream media is not gonna talk about it because mainstream media is not aware of it. It's so focused on the current dominant paradigm, which is a materialism paradigm, that for them to be able to break out of this paradigm will require a shift, will require a transformation. And this is happening, and we're seeing more and more enlightened media coming up all over the world, especially through the World Wide Web. And um, It's happening, man, and yeah. there is no force, no economic, no military force under the sun that can stop people from changing their minds. And once enough of us 
have shifted our, our, our consciousness, have changed our minds, then the old paradigm will implode and collapse from within. And out of it emerges a new paradigm, which is what we call a consciousness paradigm now, where we see everything in the universe, including you and me and the stars and the headphones and everything in this universe, made out of consciousness, not made out of matter. Materialism paradigm sees everything made out of matter. In other words, the building block of the universe is a physical particle that needs to be weighed and measured. And we are shifting towards a consciousness paradigm that views all of reality to be made out of consciousness. And this changes everything. It changes what we eat, how we eat, how we educate our children, what movies we watch, what books we read, what law we practice, what businesses we practice. So that's the pivotal change. And this is always based on science, Sean. Now, a quick word about our sponsor for this episode. Our Future Nature is brought to you by Authentic Gallery. Authentic Gallery makes buying and collecting stunning and impactful art easy, with a portion of proceeds of every purchase going towards vetted partner charities. Want to buy art and contribute to an impactful cause at the same time? Check out Authentic Gallery, spelled A-W-E-T-H-E-N-T-I-C gallery.com. So please visit AuthenticGallery.com to start browsing now. So, you know, people have been talking, especially more enlightened people or conscious people have been talking about this tipping point for a long time. And, you know, mm. we see in the world that there's a rise of populism, there's a rise of the far right, there's a rise of leaders who act as bullies. So are we actually changing? Are we becoming more conscious? Because the yes. trends point otherwise. Aha. Whenever there's a, a paradigm change, fear dominates the day. There usually is chaos, there's anarchy, there's collapse of systems, there's the far right that come out, there's people who come out with guns and bombs. It's normal. This is what the, the, these, these are symptoms of a paradigm change. And the writing's been on the wall for a very long time, and uh, some great teachers have been talking about this for a very long time. Whenever we go through a transformation, fear dominates because the old system is collapsing. Things you've known all your life, things your great-great-grandparents knew and what you know and your parents know are changing. And if you don't understand the transformation that's happening, that this transformation is inevitable, if you can't pay attention to that, then all you see on the news is right-wing extremists, loonies as presidents, um, utter madness and fear and, 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 and COVID-19 and collapse of systems and economies going down, these are just symptoms of a paradigm change. So you can pay attention if you want to mainstream news and get your information from mainstream news, or you could choose to look deeper, to look at the undercurrents that are slowly going overground now and slowly becoming mainstream. And you can pay attention to the real change that's happening. And that's people changing their minds about the reality in which they live. Because the old social, political, economic system is not working, simply because it's not sustainable. Without discussing politics and world leaders and what's going on, it is a not a sustainable system. It's sustained us for the last 600 years, and it's given us this wonderful iPhone that I'm talking to you, everything, all the lovely things we have in life. Thank you. But now it's come to a point where there's just too many holes within its structure and it can't hold the water anymore. Mm. And this is happening whether we wished it or not. 
So the sooner we pay attention to it, the more empowered we become. Because then you understand the necessity for change. If my parents understood the necessity for change, they wouldn't be so fearful. So once you understand the necessity for change, that the social, political, economic systems we have are not sustainable, then you get empowered and you start becoming part of that change and you do everything within your capacity to let people know about this great news that's happening. Hmm. Out of interest, where do you get your news from? Huh. <laughs> or do you get your news? I, I, I read a lot. I'm an avid reader and I've got a wonderful library and um, I, I, I get a lot of my news, if you like, from, from great philosophers and uh, social observers and scientists. I'm fascinated about the consciousness emerging within science now where spirituality and science are no longer in disagreement and change begins with science because as a humanity we must always follow science because science is neither left nor right it's neither up nor down it's not black nor white science is meant to be true science is meant to be non-biased there's no ism in science socialism capitalism communism Science is meant to be true science. But the problem with science is it's been shackled by predatory capitalism for at least the last 50 years or so, since the 70s. So that's how I get my information, by paying close attention to science and the, the, the new uh, discoveries that are happening, especially within biology, and because biology now is the queen of science. And as I said, I read a lot and, uh, you know, I browse the internet and um, I'm very careful how I get my information, but my heart knows. So a lot of this knowledge comes from within. It's not an external knowledge. I, I, I feel I've got my fingers on the pulse of humanity and, 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 and have for quite some time now. And the pulse is very, very healthy in spite of COVID-19 and in spite of some loony president sitting somewhere and in spite of all these you know, uh, symptoms that are going on. Mm. The pulse mm. of humanity is very strong because we are changing our minds. And within this change, there is a global mind change happening. Mm. But my, 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 my favorite, just to, to uh, crown that one, this is our central challenge today. You, Sean, me, and all the change makers listening today. This is the pivotal challenge we have to face. Whatever we do, whatever profession we practice, Unshackling science from the grips of predatory capitalism is the central pivotal challenge we face today. Because 600 years ago, science was in the grip of the church. That was the powers that be, the church. And science liberated itself from the church, the will of God and what have you, and became the empirical scientific method we know today. But sadly, since the 1970s, since, since, since um, Milton Friedman won the economic prize um, in economics, the Nobel Prize in economics. Um, and he stated uh, in 1976 very clearly that the sole purpose of business is to generate profit for shareholders regardless of societal and environmental consequences. And there, from there on, capitalism became predatory capitalism and science has been shackled by the funding from big corporations big business and according to wwf recently 
since the 1970s, we have destroyed, Sean, more than 60% of Mother Nature, of our ecosystems. Since the 1970s, because of this shift in capitalism, because of this economic turn where business suddenly became, the only purpose for business was to make profit. But back in the day, any successful business person would invest in the community. They'd build kindergartens, they'd plant parks, they'd plant trees, they'd pave the roads. They would give back to the community. But since Milton Friedman in 1976, the purpose of business is business. The purpose of business is to make money for shareholders. So as a result, we've managed to destroy well over 60% of our rainforests, of our oceans, of our groundwater, of, of all our natural resources. And you're precisely right, which is why we need to focus on change makers and highlight the efforts of social enterprises and net positive businesses, which and you're one, one of those great examples. But it's very hard, isn't it, to, to run a, a net positive business. And, you know, finance needs to be more friendly towards green enterprises and, and social enterprises. Again, you, you, you hit it right on the head. It's unshackling science from predatory capitalism. But how do we accelerate that change? Because as, awareness. As, awareness. Awareness. But it's also, it's, it's also about changing the gears of capitalism. As anyone knows who runs their own business, it's very hard to do that quickly. Yes. Um, so as, as a, just from the lens of an entrepreneur, if someone's trying to start a new business in a, a net positive business, what mm. advice would you give them? Do it, man. Do it. Your market is growing. Because the market for this type of enlightened product, enlightened business, more conscious business, is growing, not shrinking. You know, 20 years ago, it was a much smaller market. Now with Gen Z and young millennials coming into their own spending power, they want to support such businesses because it makes sense. It makes sense on every level. I'm not saying um, might not be an easy ride because at the end of the day, you're doing business in a, in, a, in a materialism paradigm. You're still operating your business where you have to pay your salary burden and you have to pay your rent and you have to pay your cost of food and you have to pay all your expenses. You're still operating within that outdated um, business paradigm. But the paradigm of business is expanding. It can no longer just be lower your costs and increase your sales because of what we've been speaking about tonight. Mm. So we are expanding the paradigm of business to incorporate the community and consciousness and the others. And this idea that the purpose of business is to make profit for shareholders is outdated. It is, it's dinosauric. It's part of the old paradigm. Mm. So as the paradigm shifts, businesses will become more enlightened, more caring, more conscious, more giving. But there's only one thing is you have to do it. You can't wait for, you know, the government to change or for the laws to change or because they take, they take their jolly time, you know. Mm. Just go out there and do it. Follow your passion. Um, align your passion to a mission in life. and Make sure this mission is good for one and all. Make sure your mission in life serves uh, humanitarian, ecological, and spiritual humanity and then the universe has a funny way of supporting you it just it's just the way it is and, and, and that's but, that's what we call perennial wisdom it's been around forever every great being einstein mahatma gandhi martin luther king emerson 
William Blake, you name them, you name any person you admire, they have always followed their passion. They've never waited for the right moment or the right capital or mm. the right wife, dare I say it, or the right husband. You know, you just begin. You begin your journey by following your passion. So it's important to wake up to your passion. Oh, very well said. I mean, just because this is an interactive conversation, we have a, a question here from Hopa, Hopa Loop Hong Kong. Thank you for the question. Uh, his question is, they say eat as your ancestors did. Do you think that's true or valid? The essence of that is true, but the practicality of that is not necessarily of benefit. Unless our ancestors were great hippies um, living on an organic farm by the ocean. Because we do need to eat spirulina. We do need to eat chlorella. We do need to eat sea vegetables. We need our kelp. I'm not sure if our ancestors were eating that type of food. But the principle, you're right. Um, eating as our ancestors did with a very low eco footprint. Our ancestors would only eat meat on special occasions. Now, geez, we want meat, fish, and dairy three times a day. You know, that, mm. that's, that's the difference. It depends where our ancestors were from. If our ancestors were living, you know, in, in ecological rainforests and sustainably on islands, they probably lived for a very long time and had very healthy lifestyles. But today we're bombarded by uh, electromagnetic fields and electronic smog and 3G and 4G and 5G and... Uh, we don't sleep as well as we used to, to do because of our rhythms, and uh, we're not as healthy as we used to be. Mm. Uh, so you have, we have to be very careful with that one. You, you look like a very healthy individual, and probably that's largely because of your diet and the way you look after yourself. Give us three t top wellness tips for living a healthy life, your top three tips. Mm. A long and healthy life. Whoa, well, I've, I've yet to achieve that, and I might not be the best spoken, but let me give you tips for living a meaningful, happy, purposeful life, and healthy, of course. And the first one is your mind, the health of your mind and your spirit. And when you have a passion aligned to a mission, which is aligned to a vision of purpose, that is the fundamental foundation for a happy life of well-being and peace of mind because what you're doing seven days a week is of service to the other you're giving but when you give you receive this is not no sainthood here speaking the more you give the more you receive it's quite selfish in fact so follow your passion follow your bliss and align it to a positive mission that's number one two your food man your food drink lots of warm water Never with food. Mm. Always eat lots of fruits in the morning. Never with food. Fruits should be eaten alone. When you first wake up, drink three or four cups of warm water. You can put lime or lemon or anything you want. Then have a huge amount of fruits. Then go out into the day and do whatever you want to do. Eat much, much less meat and fish and dairy. In fact, if you can go plant-based, go plant-based. The earlier you start, the better. So that's number two. Number three, get lots of sleep. We need to sleep. We don't sleep enough. We need to sleep more. Mm. Now, I would say those are my first uh, three top. Good, good top three.
top three. And, and I mean, you've been plant-based for so long, but what are the benefits to you of being vegan other than for the planet from a mm. health point of view? You know, a lot of people say, oh, I can't be vegan because my blood type doesn't match it and I'm not going to get the protein that I need. Um, what would you say to that? I why, I, I'm sorry. It, so why it, yeah. do people hate vegans so much? Why is it such a big community that really hates vegans? Because they symbolize change. And when there is change, there is fear. But you talk to Gen Z now, they don't hate vegans. My generation, your generation, the older generation, for them, that change is fearful because perhaps they don't fundamentally understand it. They don't understand the necessity for that change. So they ridicule it. They laugh at it. And I'm, I'm used to this. I've received my fair share of that over the decades. But if you talk to the younger ones, they do not concur uh, with that point of view. Mm. So it, it's, a, it's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. And the biggest change you'll notice is everything changes. And you have to try it. The proof is in the pudding, as the old saying goes. Try it. Go on a 21-day um, challenge. I don't go cold turkey. I don't advise anyone to go vegan overnight. Cut out the red meats and the chickens and all of that, because that's only doing you harm. Perhaps continue to eat a bit more of your favorite animal protein, which most probably going to be fish. And, but then it gradually move away, let go of all animal protein and, and embrace a fully plant-based diet, um, preferably uh, no, no dairy, because we know now dairy is equally destroying to our health and the health of our environment as much as meat is, you know? Mm. But uh, don't go cold turkey. Don't just poof, overnight talk to some people who you think are doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Are they happy people? Uh, do you get a positive vibe around them? Um, are they plant-based? What's their diet? Talk to these people. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you get a positive vibe around someone, whenever you feel happy in someone's company, be, be assured that you, these people are quite invariably doing the right thing. And do your homework. Educate yourself. I mean, there's a wonderful book called The China Study that took 20 years of research. And this study ch studied China. So they studied different parts of China. In this part of China, there was, uh, you know, a lot of um, diabetes. In that part of China, people were dying from cardiovascular diseases and so on and so forth. So they mapped all of China and for 20 years, they studied people's diets. And the conclusion is... Shock horror. Ready for this? Eating animal protein is the number one cause of cancer and degenerative diseases. I said it. That's the China study, a 20-year study by very well-renowned American doctors. Absolutely. Eating animal protein. Eating animal protein is the major cause of... That's why we have so many of these diseases in the West. High blood pressure, diabetes, and rheumatism, and arthritis, and cardiovascular diseases, and cancer. Why do we have so many of them? If the way of life we're living is so right, why are so many of us dying so young? And why is COVID-19 wrecking havoc with our health if we were so healthy? So this is how paradigms collapse, Sean. 
suddenly it doesn't make sense. Suddenly going on a plant-based diet makes scientific sense. It's being studied, it's being analyzed, it's, it's being measured. The, the, the data's out there, the figures are out there, they don't lie, you know? But I, I just remembered one thing. When people say, why is diet change so important? If you can bear with me 30 seconds or one minute, just close your eyes and imagine that the human population is 8 billion people, almost. That's the totality of everyone living on this planet. 8 billion of us humans. Now, guess the number of livestock animals. This is industrially grown animals like cattle and pigs and chicken and what have you. Guess the population of that today at any given moment. It is 100 billion livestock, industrially farmed animals. 100 billion. So how can we feed 100 billion livestock? Where's the food coming from? Where, where's the land to grow all the, the, the corn and the soya bean and the oats to feed these animals? And this is why you know straight away that a plant, uh, an animal-based diet is so destructive. 100 billion, so imagine a chart, 100 billion, compared to 8 billion humans. And this is why changing our diet is so important. Which segues nicely into my next question. Uh, and we're coming to the end of our session. So I, I feel this is quite an important question. With these sustainable or alternative proteins now, such as Impossible Burger, Beyond Meat, Omni Pork, what's your take on those? Because I know you're very, you're very much focused on whole foods and mm, plant-based mm. foods. But do you think that that's a solution to provide these alternative proteins or plant-based proteins? I just made my one millionth dollar, Sean. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I've been a... asked, asked this question a million times and each time I get one dollar. <laughs> um, it's a man, very valid, valid topic and a very topical topic. Because, yes, they have a, a role to play. If we are to wean six billion people off... Uh, meat, fish, and dairy, we need to feed them something in the interim. It's a transitory product, if you like, that serves a purpose as we transition. Because we need to adjust uh, how we grow our food. Our soil is depleted. We've got 50, 60 years tops of topsoil left that can feed humanity. We're, 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 we're up, up, uh, up the Kaiba, you know, up, up Shit Creek right now. We, we have to adjust our food systems. So along come these alternative meat products, if you like. They do serve a purpose. They have a role to play. Yes, I don't eat them. Um, in mana, we don't use them. In mana, we make our own chickpea patties and lentil patties and red bean patties and black bean patties. We make our own homemade patties because one, they taste a lot better. Two, they're much healthier. And three, they're whole foods. But yes, these, these uh, fake meats or these alternative meats have a role to play because their eco-footprint is way, way, way smaller. But we must remember they are not a health food. They are not whole foods. Mm. They're not a health food product. But yes, they have a role to wean people off animal protein. Yeah. And just finally, because we are talking about change makers, people who are using their passions and, and, and expertise in business to create conscious change. What's next for you? What's next for Mana? 
Mm. Well, mana in many ways is still a puppy, you know, we're still, we're still growing mana. Um, we'd love to open maybe another half dozen manas in different parts of Hong Kong. And once we're a bit more settled, uh, you know, as a business, if you like, and um, we're meeting the demand a bit more, and, you know, the, the demand for healthy plant-based food at a good low price point is massive. So we haven't even scratched the surface yet in Hong Kong. So we'd like to expand mana in Hong Kong, and then we'd like to expand regionally. You know, we find places like Singapore and Manila very attractive. So hopefully we can raise some conscious capital and someone can look at us and say, I like what you guys are doing, I'd like to invest. And then we can take mana outside of Hong Kong. Because our biggest markets, if you like, just to talk business, are not here. Our biggest markets are the streets of New York, London, Paris, Amsterdam, Sydney. Those are huge, huge, a huge demand for something like mana because we are zero waste. We're zero food waste. We don't have any plastic. We compost all of our packaging and all of our wastes. So the awareness and the demand for such businesses is growing exponentially. So we, we would love to expand in that, that direction. And for me personally, uh, there's so many things I, I would love to be doing, you know, some conscious festivals in Hong Kong and maybe make an infomentary or two, a documentary. And I love the medium of, of, of camera and movie. And, you know, what you do, Sean, is very admirable. And uh, I have a lot of respect for you and uh, what you've been doing. And uh, a lot of great change makers here in Hong Kong. And, um, you know, the, the tribe is strong. We are strong and we are inspired and we are thriving and we are doing well and we are growing and we are, we are change makers, you know. We're, we're on a mission and... Yeah, it's good. It's good Beautiful. to be here. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you for the thoughtful answers. Really educational, enlightening at the same time. Thank you, Bob Z. Always an yeah, inspiration. Man. And let's all try and make a difference. Diet change, not climate change. Yes, Thanks, Bob I. Z. Peace. Peace. Until soon, bro. Take care. Until soon. Take care. See ya. As an end note, we'd like to take a moment to thank Bob Z for his tireless efforts in making F&B in Hong Kong more sustainable. Since the recording of this interview, however, MANA has had to close its physical stores in Hong Kong due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and the challenging environment. However, despite the loss of MANA, Bobsy remains positive about the future, and he knows that MANA's legacy lives on through the younger generations. So as we end this episode today, please take a moment to remember MANA's slogan, diet change, not climate change. Thank you for tuning in to Our Future Nature. Please remember to like and subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed the podcast, it would really help if you could take a minute to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Much appreciated. Please follow us on Instagram at Our Future Nature Pod for behind the scenes and extra information. You can also follow me at Shawnee Davis if you want to be updated on the work that I do in green entrepreneurship, advocacy, and conservation. And finally, Our Future Nature was produced and powered by Authentic Studio. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.